1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back. It's Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine podcasts. My name is John Boccasino, being joined by Jamie D'Amico for our ongoing series, State of the Buffalo Bills roster. This week, we have the enviable task, or should I say unenviable task, of studying the tight end position, a position that unlike the running backs and the quarterbacks and the wide receivers of our previous podcasts is sure to give consternation to a lot of bills fans out there. Jamie, I got to be honest. I have not been looking forward to this podcast. If only for the reason that it's such a glum position to be breaking down where, you know, Buffalo has been a black hole for tight ends basically since, uh, you know, uh, Keith, uh, or Pete Metzelars roamed the sidelines. (laughs)
2: Ah, uh, yeah. There's a lot of forgettable names that have been in there. I mean, I, I feel like the best has been Jay Remersma. Um, but you know, honestly, in order to get myself up for this, I did something that I almost never do. I went out to brunch this morning and I drank caffeine. I avoid caffeine like the plague because it does things to me that <laughs> it, it shouldn't do to human beings. I won't sleep tomorrow night as a result of having the caffeine, but I knew I needed it in order to have enough energy to get through this conversation about Buffalo Bills tight ends,
1: <laughs> we we appreciate your dedication to the cause, getting caffeinated up, and really, Jamie, it is it's a daunting task trying to break down these tight ends because you know you mentioned Jay Remersma, and he caught fifty three passes in two thousand one. Um, the Bills have not had um, they've only had five tight ends catch 50 or more passes in a season which is not a watershed number of receptions when you think about it being you know 16 games you're roughly averaging 3 yard or 3 catches a game uh to get over 50 Charles Clay did it twice Scott Chandler uh did it in 2013 Pete Metzelars did that with a franchise record 68 catches in in the 1994 season and the aforementioned Jay Reimersma had 53 in 2001 This is John. Yeah,
2: how the hell did you pull Jay Jay Reimer's stats so quickly?
1: I would like to say I'm a clairvoyant and a a tight end psychic, but I have to give a lot of credit to the Sean Murphy of BuffaloRumblings.com. I've got an article (laughs) up here that has his uh, the stats for the state of the tight end position, and you know you put those all together, it's really sad the state of the position, especially when you look at the postseason that Buffalo. Just had they fell in the AFC championship game to a buzzsaw known as Travis Kelsey, who had 105 receptions for 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns this past season. Now, obviously, not every tight end can even approach Travis Kelsey's greatness, but he put forth games where he was catching eight passes or more in every playoff game and the last couple of regular season games. And here we are talking about a tight end trying to get to 50. Or more catches. Now, here's where I want to start our conversation with Jamie. It's not like these are Tom Brady's Patriots who relied on Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez as their primary pass catchers. The Bills have Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley and John Brown, at least for now, and Gabriel Davis as their primary pass catchers. But wouldn't it be a nice wrinkle to add to the offense if Brian Dable could dial in consistency at the tight end position?
2: What you want is to have a tight end who's capable because they create matchup problems. They're too big for defensive backs to cover, they're too fast for linebackers to cover most of the time. So that opens up aspects of your offense that just can't be there otherwise. And yes, the Patriots had an unbelievable amount of success when they had Hernandez and uh, Gronkowski playing on the field together because who could run with them? Who was it going to be? I mean, you had Hernandez, who was fast. You had Gronkowski, who was huge. And uh, Gronk, he could still block. He could still do it. So, Yes, that is something that this offense is lacking. And I was pleased to see that Brandon Bean mentioned that. And, you know, when we talk about the tight ends, I can tell you that it it evokes a lot of emotion in me because, to me, the most frustrating player on the Buffalo Bills roster plays tight end.
1: And that would be, of course, Dawson Knox, who we will get to here in a second as the leading candidate, the leading incumbent In the tight end room, Jamie mentioned earlier, um, Brandon Bean addressing this position. And during the offseason media sessions, here is what Brandon Bean had to say about the tight end position. I thought it was up and down, to be honest with you, Bean said when asked to assess the tight end group. It was never where the opposing defense was like, man, we've got to stop their tight ends from going off. So we'll look to that group. At the end of the day, we'd love to have a guy like what we just faced in Travis Kelsey, but they don't come very often. We've got some guys here we want to continue to develop and see what happens. Obviously, if there's ways to add competition, whether that's free agency or the draft, we would do that as well. Now, listen, this is coming on the heels of Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, in two games against Buffalo, had 18 receptions against the Bills, eight for a buck 83 and four touchdowns mike josecki of the miami dolphins 13 for 177 with a touchdown darren waller nine catches for 88 yards and noah fant had eight catches for 68 and a touchdown those are examples of tight ends who like you said jamie are matchup nightmares linebackers struggle to contain them safeties can't keep up with them and the downfield schemes that they're running on their routes. It really is a unique wrinkle to give an offense having a tight end that can both block and run the field and run those crisp routes that you see with the Travis Kelsey. The Bills did not get that at all with their tight end core. The quartet of Dawson Knox, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith, and Reggie Gilliam had 458 total yards and 42 receptions this year. If Travis Kelsey plays one more game against the Buffalo Bills, he might eclipse the receiving yardage (laughs) that that group had all of last year. Yeah, so it's worth noting that
2: those are excellent tight ends. And also the Bills in particular this past season seem to struggle with covering tight ends. Not an issue in the past, but there's a direct line between Matt Milano not being on the field for a good portion of the season and tight ends going off. So um, you know, I I, I do want to add that qualifier, but the spirit of what you said is dead on if the Bills can have a large body who can also run, who is going to be able to cover that person in addition to the amazing receivers that the bills are putting out there. Nobody, it it would put so much of a strain on a defense that I, I think you would see an even more explosive bills offense than you saw in 2020.
1: And that's why it would be an awesome move for the bills to find a way to shore up this position. And look again, like you, you know, you said it too, Jamie, the bills had such a potent passing attack this year. They were third in the league in passing yards and first downs achieved via the pass. They were third most passing touchdowns and they were fourth in big play pass plays of 20 yards or more. All of this, despite the inconsistent production from the tight ends. And it has to start when our breakdown of this position with Dawson Knox. Now I want to give Dawson a little bit of credit um, in the fact that his season, I don't think we can fully judge the whole year of what Dawson Knox put forth because he did have COVID and a foot injury starting off this year. Now I'm not taking away anything from what he performed in the second half of the year, but his numbers are not overwhelming 24 grabs, 288 yards, three touchdowns. He had 12 games and seven starts. And again, he missed those four games with both the foot injury and the COVID-19 diagnosis. Now, with Dawson being the number one tight end, break it down for us, Jamie. What do the Bills have in this second year tight end who's now entering his third season in Brian Dable's offense?
2: They have an athletic freak who is an inconsistent blocker. When he's out there blocking, he, he makes some good contact and he plays to the whistle. And I love that about him. His tenacity is exactly what you want. And you see it on this Buffalo Bills team, these guys like playing until the whistle. John Feliciano is another one of those. Um, His technique is not great when blocking. You see that he leans forward an awful lot and that invites the defender to grab a hold of him and pull him forward to take him off of his blocking path. That's not the best. However, he's willing to do it. But We also see a guy who doesn't run very crisp routes. And here's the statistic about Dawson Knox that bothers me. He catches 55% of the balls that are targeted to him. That's bad. Half the time they throw to Dawson Knox, the ball lands on the ground. Not good, Bob, as you like to say. (laughs) Not good. Um, And the reason he drives me nuts is he has the potential because he's so athletic the way he can move when he has the ball in his hands. He's fast. He's quick. He's strong. Look no farther than that play, not in 2020, but in 2019, when he ran over, what was it? Two Cincinnati Bengals. Yep. Like I'm watching that play and I'm like, Oh, Dawson, don't do that to him. They've got families to feed. (laughs) Oh no. And and at that point, I'm like, this guy could really come around, but you know, it, it can be summed up very easily. Dawson Knox either catches a very simple pass out of the back or what, not out of the backfield, but, um, usually is an outlet receiver catches a simple pass and runs somebody over, or he goes out into a route and there's a very good chance the ball bounces off of his hands. I hate that, but I don't think that we are looking at a guy that we can close the book on yet. It takes tight ends a while to develop. It is a difficult position to play in the NFL. This is a guy who was not in an offense that had uh, very much, uh, well, is the offense in college, I, th- I believe he went to Ole Miss, they did not rely on the tight ends to go out into patterns. They were mostly blockers. This is new for him. So he really has only had NFL receiving coaching for two years. He's got to work on the eye-hand coordination. It's too soon to give up on him. He doesn't suck. He has the potential. He will be a very good number two receiver, assuming Buffalo can bring somebody else in.
1: I honestly, Jamie, feel like Dawson could be even a 1A, 1B type. If he's in a timeshare, I don't think he's the... Solution. I don't think he's going to be the guy who develops into, again, a Darren Waller, a Mike Gisecki, a a Travis Kelsey, um, uh, what's his face, Uh, in in San Francisco, a George Kittle. He's never going to be that type of weapon. But what he does have is the height and the athleticism. I mean, how many times do you see – I almost want to take the counterpoint to yours, Jamie, where I think Dawson drops a lot of easier – pass catches and will make the ridiculous, absurd leaping. There was a catch against the Denver Broncos where I thought he had no right in hell coming down with the ball and he just jumps up and makes a jugular catch and comes down with it. And then there's the times where he struggles in the more mundane, the more routine plays, Um, you know, between his athleticism, his length and his physicality. Those are the traditional prototypical traits you want for a great tight end. And Dawson has those and he's getting better in the run blocking game as well. But between the drops that plagued him his first season and the the, the the failure to catch the ball his second season, I don't know. It's really hard to think that the tight ends are in a good position moving forward with Dawson Knox as their 1A. Now, here's the problem, though. Um, you know, yeah. And I want to say Dawson did also close the season With his best performances of the year, he had six catches for, I think, 50 yards against the Chiefs uh, in the AFC Championship game. He really came on during the playoffs, where I believe he had four or more grabs against both the Colts and the Ravens, and then that solid game against the Chiefs to close out the season. But the Bills need to see it more consistently from Dawson before they can move forward. The caveat for all of this, though, Jamie, and the reason I don't think the Bills are going to go out and make any major moves to supplant Knox at the top of the depth chart, unless they do it via the draft, is how tight they are against the salary cap. I, I, I just don't, I don't see the bill, and we can talk about some of the positional upgrades that are out there. The Kyle Rudolphs, the Janu Smiths, you know, Hunter Henry is going to command Boku Bucks to bring him in from the Chargers. I just feel like with where Buffalo's offense is at and what they need to do with the rest of the holes on this team, getting a great tight end to supplant Knox is a luxury versus a must on the to-do list, and I don't think that's going to happen. I was reading a story from The Athletic where they were recommending ways to fix the tight end position, and it said acquiring a veteran receiving tight end for between 5 and $9 million annually. The Bills don't have that money unless they make drastic cuts and restructures to the current roster. I I just don't think that's the way that Brandon Bean's going to want to go. And therefore, I'm thinking that Knox is going to stay with this. Obviously, he's going to be with the team. He has a cap hit of a little more than $1 million. It's his third year. Um, If he can show the improvement continues with the blocking department and he can show Development as a pass catcher, which I know are two big ifs, he almost needs to make the same kind of quantum leap forward that Josh Allen made from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty
2: yeah, I think that's a pretty good comparison. um you know he's the guy who you know I don't compare him to disappointing tight ends of the past, and the one that always leaps to mind is Lonnie Johnson back in the 90s, a guy who was athletic but could never put it together. We knew Dawson Knox was very raw coming out of college, and he was going to take some coaching. But, you know, it was his second season. Give him a chance. It's a difficult position to play in the NFL.
1: And he does have the benefit of having two more years on that rookie contract, um, as opposed to the next tight end on the depth chart, the one guy who is actually not guaranteed to be back next year, and that is Tyler Croft, who signed a massive contract and has battled injuries almost his entire time in Buffalo outside of catching the game winner that clinched the playoff berth in 2019 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tyler Croft has really not been able to, I mean, he's, he's battled injuries. He's battled consistency problems. And I just, you know, even though he had a good early start to the season, I felt like I don't see him re-signing with Buffalo because he just did not show enough to me um, during his 2020 season at a time when there was an opportunity with Knox missing those first four games, Croft really, I mean, I know he had a good performance against the Rams in week three, but can you really think of a time when he stepped up and had a solid performance? I mean, he was a healthy scratch after the bye week outside of one game. And that why, if the bills believe in what Tyler Croft can do, why would they have him be a healthy scratch um, in weeks and every week, but one down the stretch when they really needed a tight end to step up and up and compliment Dawson Knox, you know, he only had 12 catches total in 10 games. I mean that you can find that type of productivity with a sixth or a seventh round draft pick, much less spending what the bills were going to spend on Tyler Croft. I think it's been a very underwhelming and disappointing stint in Buffalo for the former Cincinnati Bengal.
2: I I agree and you know when Buffalo signed him they signed him with the expectation that he was going to improve. But now he was the, a third stringer in Cincinnati. Now Cincinnati did have a couple of good players in front of him, but you know he didn't take that step forward that I, I think they believed he was going to. He is mediocre at everything. He's not he's got a high floor, but a very low ceiling. Um, I hate to use the term. He is what he is, but he is a backup in the NFL. Who's not going to lose you games, but he's not going to win you anything either.
1: He does have, I will say to his credit, when the ball is thrown Croft's way, he does come down with it. He caught 75% of the targets that were thrown his way Last year, and if we do, I do want to give him credit again. He, were it not for his diving catch against the Los Angeles Rams in week three, the Buffalo Bills would have blown a huge lead at home. And who knows where the team goes? I know it's only week three, but to blow uh, a three plus touchdown lead at home, that could have been a demoralizing loss for the team moving forward. So, kudos to Croft for coming up with that big catch but he had two of his three touchdowns in that game against the Rams and one other touchdown total in the final nine games. You just can't bank on that type of, of productivity um, being anything that you can, you know, you want to see on your team in the offense. I mean, it's you really, there's nothing that Tyler Croft has shown me during his time in Buffalo to say that he's going to be back in 2021. Um, I, I will say that I thought he had a lot of promise, um, coming over from Cincinnati, because he was that um, athletic type of tight end. He had great rave reviews. He seemed like somebody who had had injuries, but when healthy was able to produce. And yet here we are, same story, same old song and dance with Tyler Croft. He just could not stay healthy and could not contribute.
2: He was a process guy. You know, they they loved his personality. They They loved the way he fit in with the team. Um, but yeah, it, it's very clear how the Buffalo bills felt about him because last off season, they redid his contract to take away the third year, which would have been the 2021 season. They removed a year from his deal because they were ready to move on from him.
1: That's a valid point, Jamie. And, you know, a lot of times teams talk about restructuring deals to save money, now um on the front end of the contract but with buffalo doing that yeah they they basically it was like croft you've got one year 2020 to show us what you can do and again that's what makes it so disappointing he had opportunities to really step up and the fact that the team would rather have locker room leader lee smith Uh, be a part of this team. And I know that, you know, they love his leadership. They love what he brings to the table. Um, Lee Smith, to me, was more of a valuable member of this Buffalo Bills team than Tyler Croft, who, again, outside of the Week 3 game against the Rams, did a whole bunch of nothing when it came to 2020. Lee
2: Smith is an interesting case because he brings very little to the passing game but the blocking he does it's it's underrated you don't really hear about blockers unless they're doing something wrong and we know two seasons ago he had major issues with attracting penalties and penalty flags they were just there was laundry all over the field every time he was on the field but you know he he got that squared away and if you look at the film of Lee Smith he is excellent at what he does, which is why he was active despite bringing nothing to the game as a receiver. The guy can lock up defensive ends, blitzers. He's just he's great at the point of attack on, on running. He's a guy who I would prefer to keep than to not keep because he does a lot of the dirty work. But he's contemplating retirement. And how much would they miss him? I'm, I'm not even sure you know he's making about 2 million dollars you know it, we could probably use that 2 million dollars towards something that's a little bit more impactful than than what he brings because also you know they brought him in and they always talk about the leadership you mentioned it but we're looking at a team now that is beginning to mature a little bit and you don't need the same coach on the field types when you've got guys like Josh Allen and um uh what's his name? The the left tackle. Deion Dawkins. Deion Dawkins. Why do I brain fart like that? Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um you know, those are young guys who are moving into leadership roles. So you don't need the old guys necessarily out there doing it. And you know, I I wouldn't miss him if he was gone, but I see the value in him and wouldn't be upset if he stayed.
1: Well and here's the thing, Jamie, and, and again everything we're doing this year with our offseason previews is predicated on the unusually tight salary cap which should be around 180 182 million dollars. I believe it hasn't even officially come out this figure, but it's going to be somewhere around that low 180s and the bills again are very cash strapped with their salary situation. Even though it's a 2.25 million dollar cap hit, the Bills could definitely use that money to look elsewhere uh, with their needs that the team has up and down both offensive and defensive lines. But I will say Lee Smith, to his credit, you're right. He cleaned up the penalties that were an issue in 2019. And he really was his most valuable role was being a sixth offensive lineman out there. The the, the penchant for blocking that he could bring to this offensive line unit was what he was supposed to be uh, relied upon. And he did a really good job. Um, as a as a pass blocker but i will say this i don't have the numbers in front of me i don't necessarily know how much better the bills were in their run game on plays when lee smith was on the field as that sixth offensive lineman and therein lies the problem do you keep a guy for 2.25 million dollars who essentially is your blocker he had four receptions for 35 yards and two touchdowns on six total targets in the 10 games that he played. Now, again, he's reliable. He can be a very solid blocker, but is that worth that type of money when you should be actually getting that production from your offensive line to serve as a key blocker and not just your tight end? It's
2: it, it's a difficult question to answer because there's a lot that plays into it. For $2.5 would you have somebody better at the position? And how much is continuity valued by this organization? I I don't have the answer to that, but I, I think you raise an excellent question. And I think we're going to find out in short order what the organization thinks about that question.
1: Especially if he is mulling retirement, like you mentioned earlier, the rumors and reports that Lee Smith might be deciding to hang up the cleats and walk away from football after, uh, I mean, hey, look, he's been in the league for more than a decade. He's done something well to be on these rosters and be, again, that locker room leader. That's a valuable role. But for a team like Buffalo, who has a lot of emerging leaders in that team, they might not need that um, as much anymore.
2: Now, so do you feel that when a person contemplates retirement that they have already retired? Or I,
1: I, I, I firmly believe that if you're thinking about it, you're retired, you know, which is why I'm surprised okay. so that
2: Roethlisberger retired five years ago, yeah, essentially. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's why I'm surprised that Drew Brees hasn't come out with his official retirement statement, because if you're thinking about it and and you're doing the steps that he's been doing this offseason retirement, seems like it's an inev- inevitability for for that player. So I think Lee Smith is is retired um I I think he's played his last downs in Buffalo just my humble opinion. Now I was going to transition real quick to um the 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 last player I really want to talk There's two players we have left on the depth chart um right. to talk about. We're not going to go into Nate Becker. I he's he's Lee Smith light. Um he <laughs> doesn't have <laughs> yeah. a single offensive target um as a as a weapon. He is just a blocker and that's it. But the Bills have Reggie Gilliam and Tommy Sweeney, who has been injured. Sweeney has missed almost, you know, he's been injured entirely during his Buffalo career. It seems like he did not play at all Uh, in 2019. He was placed on the reserve COVID list prior to week seven. So he is a great unknown, despite being in the same draft class as Dawson Knox. And then there's Reggie Gilliam, the fullback who was converted um, to tight end and was really a mainstay on the special teams unit. What do you make of those two pieces, Jamie?
2: Tommy Sweeney to me is another Tyler Croft. Um, he's probably going to be a a backup type, and I really feel for the guy. You know, he ended up getting COVID and then has been suffering from myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it on the air, but I had COVID at the beginning of um, at the beginning of February. And it was, it was no picnic for me. It hits everybody different, but I didn't develop a heart condition as a result of it. And here's a guy who is a professional athlete and it did that kind of damage to his body. I hope he's going to be all right. But, you know, considering he was a late round draft pick, he was homegrown. He actually in his rookie season got on the field a bit because Dawson Knox was injured to start that season. I would like to see him out on the field and just see if he can develop into anything more than a backup. I don't think he will be, but you know, that doesn't mean that he can't be a reliable teammate to have, uh, Reggie Gillum. He's a converted fullback. He's a little undersized for the position. Uh, To me, he's more of a special teamer sort of H back type. He can probably do a little bit of blocking. He can catch passes a little bit. Um, But again, he's another low end of the roster type of player who I'm not convinced would stick around uh, on the team long term. Um, Can he develop? I mean, that remains to be seen, but I wouldn't I I wouldn't bet on it. Um, You know, I don't see either guy stepping into the role we have been wishing Dawson Knox could take on. And, you know, neither is going to be the answer for the number one tight end position, at least in the upcoming season.
1: I agree. These are all uh, depth pieces. And I want to clarify that Nate Becker will definitely be on. Uh, well, he will have every chance to compete for that um, number two or three tight end spot after he signed a reserve future deal with Buffalo this past January, again, as a Lee Smith light blocking type of tight end. To me, Tommy Sweeney is a mystery Um, The Bills really liked him coming out of college, and they have not been able to assess what he is to this team, and that myocarditis is a scary condition. Hopefully, he is able to make a full recovery. Um, You're looking at, Jamie, next year, the Bills heading into the, if no other moves are made right now, the rest of the offseason depth chart is basically you're looking at Dawson Knox with Sweeney. And Becker and Gilliam, and then assuming that Croft walks and Lee Smith retires, there's a lot of room for improvement on this team. And the Bills have been bantied about as one of the favorites to try to spend that cap space money on a tight end. And there's three in particular that have really been linked to them. And it starts with Kyle Rudolph and it starts with Johnu Smith of the Tennessee Titans. What are you thinking about do you think the Bills will commit some resources? If anything, I would say I'd rather go Johnu Smith. I think he has shown at least a decent uh, upside at the tight end position. I think Kyle Rudolph is going to be too expensive for Buffalo. I think Hunter Henry is way too expensive for Buffalo's price tag this offseason. But a Jonu Smith-type guy could be somebody that could step in if the Bills can sign the former Titan. He's productive in the red zone. He's a really good route runner. Uh, He can stretch the seam and make those big plays over the top of the defense, and he does have a good run after the catch game. What do you think?
2: I I like the guy. He shows a lot of potential in a Tennessee offense that is predicated on running the ball. And he had, what was it, uh, eight? Touchdowns this past season, so he's definitely, uh, you know, he's he's hard to cover in the red zone, and he's athletic. Now, you always have to be a little nervous about trying to project somebody's production. The Bills with Tyler Croft, the Bills with Charles Clay, they they pro- projected and lost on on those deals. Frankly. Um, Kyle Rudolph is older. He's a decent all around player, but he's, you know, he's not in his prime anymore. He's a solid blocker. He has good hands. He's not a guy who's going to be splitting the seam 20 yards downfield anymore. I honestly think because of the potential upside of John Smith, that he will end up being more expensive than Kyle Rudolph. I think Rudolph wants more money than he's going to ultimately get. He seems to want out of Minnesota because they are now a run first offense. I actually think that the Bills' best bet is going to be to land him, but it's going to come down to if they get a a tight end in the offseason, who's going to be the best value because the Bills are just not going to be spending the kind of money we hope that they're going to spend this year because They're up against the cap. They're going to have to make a lot of moves to free up space, and they're going to have to be extremely judicious about where every single dollar goes.
1: And that's where you might see the team turn to the draft versus free agency to bring in a tight end help. Because even though Jonu Smith, I will say you're right, he had eight touchdown catches this past season, but he had five of those in the first uh, four games of the season, Uh, with 221 total yards, his final 11 games, only 23 catches for 227 and three touchdowns, really becoming an afterthought in that high flying Titans offense. Um, He might think of himself more uh, valuably than the market will, just based on, again, all these teams cutting back on how much they're willing to spend. track, I think, had a contract projection of $8 million annually um, for John Smith, which is a pretty healthy price tag for the tight end. Um, we will see. But at least Buffalo Bills fans, I know this has, this has been a depressing podcast when talking about the state of the tight ends, but I want to implore you to at least feel like there is some glimmer of hope with, again, the athletic and raw Dawson Knox that he can hopefully make those adjustments because I would much rather Buffalo develop Knox and draft somebody or maybe find a, a bargain basement veteran to bring in nowhere near again that five to nine million that the athletic is speculating, but find somebody who can be a veteran presence to help out with Dawson Knox and let Dawson grow. This is not a position the Bills need to spend a lot of money on because there's so many other holes um, that Buffalo needs to shore up. Let me throw a
2: name at you. This would be, I think, uh, somebody they would look at if Lee Smith stayed on the team. Dan Arnold from the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he's 6'6", only 220 pounds, but he's a tight end. He may be exactly the kind of receiving mismatch that the Bills are looking for. He has okay hands. He had um, 31 receptions this past year. He's not a starter. He could be the kind of guy who comes in and um, maybe catches the ball, runs away from some linebackers, catches it over the top of some defensive backs. You know, it could be intriguing. He averaged 14 yards of reception and actually had a long this season of 59 yards. Could be somebody who can run around a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's a good name out there, Jamie. Uh, 438 receiving yards, four touchdowns last year. He's a little bit rough in the blocking game, but he's definitely a matchup. You know, you're 6'6", 220. You're a matchup nightmare as a tight end taking on linebackers or corners or safeties. And he probably would not would not command anywhere near the price tag that the Rudolphs, the John Smiths and the Hunter Henrys would at this position. That's a great name to file away. The Cardinals might want to bring him back because I don't think they have anybody else under contract um, who's capable of producing at that level of Arnold but he's a name to file away for sure. So good job on your part, bringing up a great candidate.
2: Thank you very much. But yeah, like you said, the blocking is an issue. At 6'6", 220, he's awfully skinny to be able to, you know, anchor himself down uh, against a a linebacker or, God forbid, a, you know, 280-pound defensive end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is definitely, uh, this is is the, I, I think it's safe to say, Jamie, that the tight ends are the weakest positional unit Um, that Buffalo has, especially on their offense, it's just really full of uncertainty and unfulfilled promise led by Dawson Knox. But again, take solace in the fact that the bills aren't relying on their tight ends to lead the way, um, much like the, unlike the Patriots offenses of, of the Tom Brady Super Bowl eras, where they really rode their tight ends to victory. The bills have a great offense around Josh Allen. It'd be great to get a complimentary tight end who could step in and give Buffalo Even Charles Clay-type productivity of 50-plus grabs, I don't think that's asking too much to find, whether in the draft or free agency.
2: No, I I think 50 receptions in a prolific offense should be the floor, and let's just hope that they get somebody who does it consistently. That's all I want is somebody who can play consistently, who can consistently get open, catch the ball, and deliver a block. They don't have to be spectacular at any of it. Just do it all with consistency. And I think you'll see the Bills take a step forward. And if Dawson Knox is the guy to do that, all the better.
1: What an unstoppable offense the Bills would have if they add that tight end weapon who can really be a consistent threat to this team. It would be the sky's the limit for Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills. Well, folks, that'll do it here for our tight end recap, the state of the tight ends here on Believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. If you had your Pepto-Bismol ready for this week's podcast, (laughs) you're going to need a double dose next week. The uncertainties along the offensive line, Jamie and I will break down Boy, the comings, the goings, what Buffalo has, and where they need to improve. There's a lot of holes to fill, especially with John Feliciano and Daryl Williams uh, facing free agency, along with Ike Botker. A lot of question marks on the offensive line. We implore you to come back here to believe a Buffalo Bills fan podcast to find out our thoughts on the offensive line and more. In the meantime, get involved with us on social media. Jamie is at the Jamie D'Amico, and I am at John boccasino We will see you back here next week for another another edition of Believe.